0: it if you will, as you go to Matthew chapter 2. The reading is a little more lengthy than usual and I will not read all of it at the start, but in a moment I will will come to the reading. I have to prepare myself for Christmas as I get older more than I did when I was younger or a child. As a child, it's easy to get excited about Christmas. Uh, They're just all up in the air and as a child, Christmas is just, you don't have to really prepare, just get ready to get. Right? Right, church? But as adults, as we uh, deal with the issues of life and raising a family and working a job and paying bills and, and we deal with all uh, the stresses and strains of life, uh, we have to prepare ourselves for Christmas or it will uh, cause us to be a grinch if we don't really prepare. I uh, didn't hear many amens, but maybe it's just me. Uh You know, this thing about Christmas, if you don't prepare yourself, it can steal your joy. Uh, Or it can cause you to steal somebody else's joy. I also prepare myself by looking at Dr. Seuss's, uh, the enactment of Dr. Seuss's story, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I, I like to look at that. I've seen the cartoon rendition of it and I've seen the Jim Carrey rendition of it. And I like the Jim Carrey's better. There's not a greater blittering idiot in America when it comes to the Grinch than Jim Carey. I love to see him green, all green and furry. And, uh, you know, he, he just, he, he, you just get the idea what a Grinch is, you know, but when he starts acting the part, he's odorous, he's cantankerous, he's hateful, he's mean, he stinks in more ways than one. And he's just a Grinch. I mean, if you have joy, he would gladly steal it. And, and, and Dr. Seuss does such a great job, and you teachers know about this, you know. He just makes up words and does kind of stuff that holds children's attention. And, he, and the story of how the Grinch stole Christmas, as most of you know, is embodied in a village called Whoville. But it's way, way up in the mountains like you would think about in the Alps or the Himalayans, in the cold, cold mountains, areas. It's in a, in a snow-driven uh, or deeply uh, snow-embedded area. And this village is there, and it's cold and it's freezing. And there's where the, the 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 whoville people live, okay? And these whoville people, I mean, they got their noses up in the air at times, and they they comb their hairs in layers and stacks and towers, and and they you know they, they're just kind of different people, but they're happy people. Uh, the Grinch, as most of you know, you know his his this part of the story is that somehow along his life's journey, as a child or younger. Teen or whatever he got hurt bad and uh, somehow the stalk, the stalks that bring babies brought him to the wrong house, to the wrong town. And because he looked different, not different, grew up a little different, uh, people rejected him, he says. When he tried to give out love in the way he knew in his grinch way, it, it got shoved down his throat and he just at a certain age and time as a young person he just got mad according to Dr. Zeus and separating himself from all the who villas. And he went to live way, way up above on a high mountain place, mountainous place, in the caves among the snow and the ice and a rocky terrain. And it's so rocky and, and it's so difficult to surmount or to get up to until you had to be a Grinch in order to get there, to want to live there. And he doesn't like life. He doesn't like joy. He doesn't like anything happy. And he don't want anybody to have it either. That's the Grinch. And while you and I both know that there's no such place called Whoville... We also know that there's no green creature called the Grinch. We do know that there are people who behave like the Grinch. And there are people who think like the Grinch and believe like the Grinch. And there are even people who are hurting like the Grinch. Now, how do you know a Grinch when you meet one? How do you even know that you might or might not be one? I mean, obviously, if you were green and furry, we could tell you were a Grinch. But, but but this Grinch-like characteristic or characteristics uh, exists among people like you and I who wear some of the same kind of clothing that you and I wear, and they uh, they may be this Grinch-like personality may be in our house, it may be in our marriage, it may be the person beside whom you're seating. Don't say Amen. Don't just this will be bad if you say Amen, unless you're in a pew alone, and then we already know you're a Grinch. Uh, how do you discern them? How do you know them? How do you avoid having your Christmas joy stolen? And how do you avoid stealing somebody else's? Your Christmas spirit should have begun January 1. But here we are the first Sunday of the season. So let, let, me, let me give to you from, a, from an account of a Grinch who lived 2,000 years ago how you can know you're a Grinch, and how you can avoid being one or stealing somebody else's joy. Chapter 2, verse 1 of Matthew. Now, after Jesus was born in the Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, saying to Herod, now, in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, these are the wise men now, they, the wise men, they departed. And behold, a star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Number one, you know you're a Grinch if you get upset when others invade your territory. In Dr. Seuss's story, the Grinch got upset way, way up in the high, cold, icy, snowbound, freezing cave that he lived in on top of the mountain. He got upset when the music of the Whoville residents in their time of jubilation invaded the His territory. The Grinch thought, I moved all the way, way up the highest peak I could find away from the Whoville. So that they wouldn't invade my territory. I didn't move up here to more clearly hear their whistles and their horns and their songs and their trumpets. And according to the little movie, and and it's very cute, he goes about his cave trying to drown out the sound of the jubilation of the people of Whoville because they invaded his territory. And it made him upset. Because since he's been offended years ago, he wants to keep the offense going. Since he was depressed as a boy, he wants to keep the depression going. Because there are people who take pain in rehearsing Or pleasure, pardon me, in rehearsing their pain. And that's what the Grinch continued to do. Herod, whom we read about in the Scripture, got upset at the news that the wise men came inquiring. When the wise men said, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We've seen his star. We've been following it for a long time now, almost two years or more. And we, we, we have been told by those who inform us that under this star, where the star stops in that town or that city or that province or that country, there's where we will find the king of the Jews. Well, Herod got upset. Isn't that what verse 3 says? He got upset because there were to be no other king of the Jews. But Herod, matter of fact, that title was given to him by the Roman Senate because he was the ruler over that part of the Roman Empire. And he hoo, 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 he says, no, 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 king of the Jews. Herod, if he were to be psychologically analyzed today, they would probably be... Uh, A need for other words to describe him. Because he was schizophrenia personified. He was paranoid to the highest level. Any possible threat to his rulership or power was completely dealt with. People who ruled before him He felt threatened his throne. He had him killed. Even his wife he had killed for a threat to his throne. One of his sons came to him in order to gain favor with Herod and accused two of his brothers for plotting to kill Herod and take his throne. And Herod had those two sons killed. And later on, because of his paranoia, he had the third son who brought the news of the threat to the throne killed. So you can imagine why Herod got upset. And when Herod gets upset, everybody knows it. You ever heard if mama ain't happy? You ever heard it? If you ain't heard it, you felt it. Ain't nobody happy. You know? Now, let me tell you something. And this is the part of the sermon I was going to change because of your offering, but I'm going to boldly go where no other pastor does. My responsibility as your shepherd Sunday after Sunday, as the Spirit leads me in love, is to invade some of your territory with the Word of God. Yeah. Uh, when we come to church, we come with the hopes that the Holy Spirit will invade our territory. When we come to church, we we hope that the Holy Spirit will invade our territory with peace and joy and healing and communion. But there are other places the Holy Spirit wants to invade to bring complete blessings. Yeah, there are some territories that we have hung up in our lives a no trespassing sign and said to God and the bald-headed preacher, don't come any further and God is saying, I, I didn't come into your life to upset you. I came into your life to help you. Yeah. Yes. And so, so there, there's this area of finances for many people. Pastor, you can talk about everything else, but don't be telling me about 10% is the tithe and it belongs to the Lord first fruit. And then 90% I keep. And yet God's plan is, I must be God of everything of your life, including your money, or not at all. It's a good time to say amen. Okay? And, and so God has a plan for our prosperity, and, and He means finances also. He, he has a word for us in finances to prosper us. The territory of bitterness and unforgiveness. Some people it's easy to forgive, and other people the devil wants us to stay mad at. You know, just like that—that that, that the grinch, wants to stay mad at the people of Hoosville. Okay? So the, the sound of jubilation and laughter which should calm his spirit... The sound of the Holy Spirit through a sermon, through a message, through a prayer that says, "Go ahead and forgive, go ahead and love." You've gone through a divorce, you've gone through a separation, you lost a loved one immaturely through debt, or prematurely. Pardon me, through debt. You have, uh, you, you've lost your job, you've gone through some other things. Uh, that boss, that coworker, somebody stabbed you in the back figuratively, and you're hurting and been hurting. And the Holy Spirit says, "Forgive and love, and don't seek revenge." But there's a no trespassing sign there for some people because they, they just don't want to forgive that easily. This thing of personal purity, we can't afford to put a no trespassing sign when it comes to personal purity. Because the Bible says, only the pure in heart shall see God. Therefore, along the way, I have to say to myself, and I have to say to you, be careful what DVDs you watch, be careful what movie you go to, be careful what you look at on the internet. Put a guard on your internet. Can I get an amen? Along the way, I have to say to you that it does matter. It does matter. Don't drink and cuss and smoke and swear and do these other things that will 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 destroy your testimony. Can I get an amen here? Along the way, I'm saying to you that God wants. I know that in this political correct world, there are people who bless and condone uh, things like adultery and fornication and living together outside of marriage as husband and wife, i got to come along and say that's not God's plan. Those things are fornication and adultery. And there are those who come along and say that two men can get married as a husband and a wife, or two women can get married as, as husband and wife would, and, and homosexuality is all right. There are even those who will be in the pulpit in America today in churches who are homosexuals and call themselves pastors. And i got to come along and say I don't hate anybody, and I don't dislike you but I am going to invade your territory to tell you the truth because the truth shall set you free. Now everybody, whether you like it or not, should give the Lord thanks. I know, and I need to move on here. I know that there are people don't tell me how to raise my kids, don't tell me how to treat my wife or my husband, and God has instructions about all of that. Amen? There are people who have idols in their life whom God wants to see come down so He can be Lord of their life. I don't mean that you have wood or stone idols in your home and some kind of little enclave in your house. I mean that money can be an idol. I mean sports can be an idol. I mean clothing can be an idol. I mean your figure and your outward appearance can be an idol. I mean your education can be an idol. I mean how you feel about your children or your family, putting them before the Lord can be an idol. But because you, anything that, that takes more time and effort and energy than your devotion to God can be become an idol. And so sometimes God invades our territory and says, I want your heart. I want all of you because I want I don't want to threaten you. I want to heal you. But when God invades our territory and we're not ready to change, sometimes we do what Herod does. We put up a fight. As the Grinch did. You know that you're Grinch number two if you pretend to be something that you're not. Verses 7 and 8, please. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise man, determined from them what time the star appeared. Here's the pretentious part. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child, as if he's interested with pure motives. Go and search for the young child. And when you found him, bring back word to me, that I might come and worship him also. Let me give you a little comparison. Since I started with the Grinch, let let me go a little further. You know that the Grinch hated Christmas and celebration. He wanted to destroy Christmas and destroy the jubilation in Whoville. But he knew if he went down to Whoville to do that, as the Grinch, green, furry, the Grinch, they'll recognize him. And they'll either kick him out of town or attack him. But he had this idea. Well, that green face lit up and his smile went from ear to ear and he thought, they love Santa Claus. They do, Whoville, he got him some red material, cut out a Santa suit, put some white ruffles down here, and got him a hat, put some white around it, caught his dog Max and stuck some Atlas on his head, got him a broken down sled, and he and Max started down the hill to Hooville. Ho, ho, ho! Santa Claus. Now, the Grinch did what he did because he didn't come down to Hooville to Give presents. He came to get him, But he came pretending he's going to give. Give me witness. Herod pretended to be a worshiper of the Christ child in order to get to the Christ child to kill him because he was a threat. Yeah. Herod said, oh, as soon as you'll find that baby, let me know. Now, now, let me say this to you. Pretending is wrong when it prevents others from knowing the truth. You ought to remember that. Pretending is wrong when it is a way for you and I to protect ourselves in order to get something that we want from somebody that we couldn't get under normal conditions. Yeah, we pretend. Hey, how many times? Let me say it to you this way. I probably hear more lies told than any of you in this service during the course of a year. Pastor, we're praying for a child, my wife and I, my husband and I. We don't have children. But if God gives us this child, Pastor, we're going to dedicate that child to God in church. And every Sunday we can, Pastor, we're going to be as a family in the house of God. You know what God does? Because God doesn't pretend. If you're sincere, he, he responds. And even though He knows what we might do with the blessing, He sometimes risks the blessing. The child is born. We do the dedication service. Two or three Sundays after that show up. But then, no more. No more now. God give me what I wanted. I pretended sincerity. And now I'm okay. I don't need God. Uh, people, uh, if God would give me this job, things are hard. And I've not been a tither. And I haven't been given offerings. But if Pastor God will give me this job, this raise, this promotion, if he'll cause me to be selected among 20 other applicants or 100, uh, I will tithe and give and honor God with my substance and means. And God does it, gives him a job, a better job, a pay increase. What happens is, after the pretension is over because they got what they wanted, they go and buy a house they can't afford bigger, a car they can't afford costlier, credit cards up to the wazoo, Greek for wazoo. And now we've got to work two or three jobs, can't tie, catch up with God later. That's a lie to tell God I would do something if he done something for me, and I don't do it. It's more than pretentious. How many men have used me and women have used me in my ministry, but I'm older now and wiser, okay? So don't, don't try it anymore, okay? Less hair on my head doesn't mean less brain in my skull, Okay? I'm 51 years old. i got more behind me than ahead of me. So don't come bringing me none of that pretentious stuff anymore, okay? If, if you're coming for counseling, be honest with me. How, how, how many men and women have told me, uh, or, or men have come and sat in our church beside women, acting as if this is how it's going to be after we get married, only to have that woman now come by herself? And even after God blessed them with children, to have the children come with their mama while they do something else because they pretended that they were going to be holy. They pretended they were going to go to church. How many men have conned women to act like they're Don Juan and really going to love that woman only to turn around and abuse them in more ways? God cannot bless pretension. Help me out here, somebody. Uh, Let me me tell you, we we, we play that game, see, and that makes us a Grinch. We play the game in church. We we play the game of worship and praise and adoration, and uh, and, and you know in, in our hearts we know that God I, I've got to get things right. Pretend to worship, pretend to praise, pretend to love people, and no sooner than we get in the car, there's another fuss and fight going on. God wants to bring healing. He doesn't want he, the Bible says the truth will set us free. And when we come to the house of God, let me tell you, though your friend or your neighbor may not accept you as you are, God every time will accept you as you are if you are honest, if you are truthful, if you are truly repentant, God will forgive. Say amen. Uh, 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 We do it at Christmas. We pretend at Christmas and Thanksgiving. If you had to pretend at Thanksgiving, if you have a family function at Christmas, you might. You know. You all, all of us got cousins, nieces, nephews, aunts and uncles that we can't stand. Oh, but we all, we don't get to, we don't see him eleven months and twenty nine days out of the year, but we can pretend for one night. By the way, Uncle Willie, Uncle Willie, he's gonna be there and he's a Grinch. But he happens to be a loaded Grinch. And he may croak any time soon, so I better pretend I like the old, you know what. Yeah, you're laughing because you know that's that's the yeah. Don't want him to believe me out of his will. And, 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 and so, uh, let I say today, God, I'm not going to be like Herod. Sometimes I just don't understand your way, God, and I ask you to help me. You ever been mad at God? Yeah, I've been mad at God. Have you ever been mad at God. Yeah, a few others of you said amen. And for the rest of you, I'm going to have an altar call a little bit, and you get saved, and then God won't be mad at you for lying. Don't stay mad at God. I'm hurting God. I'm hurting. Where are you, God? Tell him how you feel. But don't go making an enemy of him. He didn't come to mess you up, he came to heal you. Now, let me show you something else. You know you're a grinch when you can't join others in their joy. Yeah. The Grinch, in Dr. Zeus' story, he would not join in on the joy, even though he could, because he figured if he joined in on the joy, it would show his weakness on his part. If the Grinch went down to Whoville, just like he was, and getting in on the joy, that would mean he'd have to forgive some people, you know? And his pride wouldn't let him forgive some people. He wanted them to hurt some more. And while they were having their jubilation and cooking their meals and decorating their trees and, and, and putting up their ornaments and, and, and putting presents everywhere and celebrating in the town, he could have easily gone in there and joined into their joy. But instead of joy, he chose bitterness. Let me take you then to Matthew. Here we are again in the account of, uh, of Matthew's gospel. And verse number 10 says, And when they saw the star, the wise man, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. Somebody say amen. Amen. I mean, here's why they, they rejoice and I'm going to try to not be long about it, but they had traveled for almost two years. They had traveled through a hot desert in the daytime and cold wilderness in the nighttime. They had lost their way along the way for two years, but they kept back on the path of the star. It cost them a lot of money. They were away from their family to travel for two years and they were following this star and the closer they got to the proximity of the Christ child excitement, adrenaline began to flow in them. Finally, after two years they were not traveling by bus or train or plane they didn't have those things 2000 years ago to travel on the back of a beast most likely a camel but when they found that child and they found Mary and perhaps Joseph there was something that confirmed in their spirit this is the child this is the place and they rejoice with exceeding great joy somebody praise the Lord They were so happy, the Bible says, that they took off the back of their beasts and and their, and their pouches of their saddles. They brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There's something about being joyful that makes you a giver. You know what I mean? You may not have a lot of stuff, but there's something about being happy, about being saved, about having a church, about having a wife who loves you, and children who respect you and help for your body. There's something about uh, having a job when when other people don't have a job that makes you joyful, and it kind of wants you to make a giver, become a giver, and not a taker. Somebody say amen. Yeah. Herod could have experienced the same joy... That he needed for his troubled soul, but the cost was too great for him. Herod could have, instead of sending the wise man to go and find the Christ child, he could have gone with him. Why? Because they were only two miles away. Jerusalem and Bethlehem. South of Jerusalem is Bethlehem, two miles Herod was only two miles away from his joy that he desperately needed because he was a paranoid schizophrenic. You ever heard the word so close and yet so far? So close to joy, but just let it pass by. Since Herod would not participate in the joy because of his pride, get this now, He decided to steal the joy of others. You know anybody like that? They are not happy. They are miserable. Everywhere they go, they're like Linus in the Peanuts character. Is that the guy who drags a blanket and has a cloud over his head? Isn't that Linus? And if you are happy, they're going to guarantee that they'll steal your joy. Some of us do that without even realizing stealing other people's joy making their lives miserable. Let me say this to you. When you come to the house of God every Sunday, it's a prepared place for your joy. Please, please let me tell you tell me this. You can be in the house of God and miss your joy. We didn't have communion this morning just by chance because I, didn't, I wanted something else to do in the service, so I called the elders up this morning. No, we prepared communion this week. We prayed over it. I didn't bring you this message just because I got up this morning and had to have something. I have spent hours reading and studying and praying. I prepared for you to have some joy. Can I get an amen? This choir sang. They were robed, the musicians, the orchestra, the band, Brian back here in the sound, and Jeremy up here in the PowerPoint and doing the, all these things were prepared. They're not, we didn't just throw it together this morning so you could come and maybe by chance. You could hit your lucky number. I guarantee you, brothers and sisters, I don't mean this bad, but as a preacher, sometimes in the church, oh God, they give me an offering and here I go. As a preacher, I got to look at certain places in the church to get my joy when I preach because when I look at some people, oh God, I confess, you are not giving joy. I confess, I can tell you thinking, when is that bald-headed mouth going to shut up? And you know, here's something about me. I'm a compassionate man. I really am. But if I know I'm aggravating you, oh, Lord, when I'm preaching, I'm going I'm to hit it harder. I confess. I confess sometimes I am a Grinch. If I know that we're going to sing that chorus one more time, make the devil mad, I'm going to make him mad. Yeah, yeah. You know... And if I'm oh I don't want to be a Grinch but I'm trying to get you from being a Grinch. Isn't it terrible that you'll come to church for an hour and a half then not even remember what God said because you didn't you got so close to joy and didn't get it? Don't let the devil steal your joy. This service has been prepared. The songs have been prepared. The choir have rehearsed. The ushers, the greeters, the staff have prepared this time for you and for us together. And you don't come so close to your peace and your deliverance and and you just leave worse than you came. That's not God's plan. Let me hurry and say this. You know you're a cringe when you get infuriated when your plans don't work out. After the wise men saw the Christ child and rejoiced and gave gifts, the angel of God said to the wise men, Don't go back to Herod. He's a pretender and a liar. He's using you guys to find the child to kill the baby. And did he do it? Did he use them or try to use them, but God didn't let him? Huh? Huh? Uh, They went home another way according to Scripture. And when they didn't come back, Herod got mad. He got mad because his real intent... Manifested itself when he gave a decree that every male child, two years old and younger, in Bethlehem and the surrounding provinces must be killed. Such a paranoid Grinch. Such a joy stealer, a uh, peace hater. If I'm not happy, ain't nobody going to be happy. They will never be a threat to my throne. I don't care if it's only two years old. Look at your scripture. Look at what happened that night. Verse 18. A voice was heard in Ramah. Lamentation, weeping, and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they were no more. Hey, listen. Every mother and father that had a male child, two years and younger, I don't know if it was hundreds. Hundreds. There was crying all over Judea, all over Bethlehem. People running out of their houses, holding their stomach, holding their head, because Roman soldiers under the command of Herod had come through and rammed their infant boy because of one paranoid madman. You know what can happen this Christmas? The devil can cause you to be so mad at that man who walked out after. 20 years on your marriage that you can drink your own poison. Not by literally, but by getting so mad at them. You lost your job or you got less pay or your body is not well or somebody said something or did something or God didn't do what He said He was. You thought He said And God messed up your perfect little plan when it wasn't even God at all. It was a devil. I don't know if Michelle is in this service. And if she is, I'm very cautious whether she is or not. Michelle is the mother of the 14-year-old boy whose service I did last Sunday pardon me, last Saturday a week ago. I don't know about this, every bit of it. But let me say this to you. It seems like to me when adults, when adult world gets messed up, the children suffer the most. Yeah, well, you can clap. I'm going to complete the sermon in just a little bit, but I'm not finished. So listen, okay? Innocent little baby boys in Bethlehem. They ain't got a clue. They don't know right. All they know is the embrace of a mother, the nursing at her breast, the security. You, You hear me? When your marriage doesn't go just right, Please, before you sign those divorce papers and think the kids are going to be okay, think again. You didn't hear your preacher, did you? Some of you here this morning are the kids of divorce that were not thought out and prayed over. Can I get a witness here? Some of you are adults raising your own children and you have committed to your marriage for better or for worse because you know the hell that can be for a child. Please listen to your pastor. I come to invade your territory with truth. My wife is the principal of an elementary school, a public school, 400 students. Okay? If my wife's job was only administration and that was it, academic and that was it, she would have enough to do. But I can't begin to tell you, nor will I tell you because it's not my to tell How children come disturbed, have to be on medication, how some children have to be physically held. My wife had to hold children on the floor, get down on the floor with them to hold them and subdue them because of the anger and the pain of what adults have done. You help me preach here. I'm not condoning it. Anthony. Two Saturdays ago. We stood over him and I had to try to explain to a school Arnold Middle School of middle schoolers why their football number twenty one football team member was never going to come back to school. Y'all hearing me? Because he was murdered. See, I don't want to increase anybody else's pain, but I told you I'm older now and I'm not going to pretend. God didn't kill Anthony. Sin. Wickedness. A heart that becomes infuriated because their plan didn't go. God, God ain't about to kill you or destroy your marriage. Sin. Don't let, don't, don't let the devil steal your Christmas. One more thought. You know why we can become a Grinch? Or why we can steal somebody else's Christ or Christmas? Is if our heart's never been changed. Hear me, and I am going to close. The Grinch. Dr. Seuss's Grinch. I like it. you see it. He does get a change of heart, doesn't he? Cindy Lou. Cindy Lou. She, changed, she She stays after the Grinch. You know, she, she just grounds him with love. And uh, his heart grows three sizes in one day. And then he goes down to Whoville and parties. You know, sometimes this is true. If you can't beat him, join him. Sometimes, I, not every time, okay? Not when there's some people getting drunk and fighting. But when they're partying and happy, Uh, uh, I will say this. And and by the way, Jennifer and Edward surprised me this morning from coming all the way from coming, Georgia, to be with us in church. Last year, this time, I had my joy challenged because Edward was taking my oldest daughter. He was a Grinch, but I was a giver. (laughs) Last year, this time, Edward cost me a lot, a lot, a lot of money. Because Jennifer had all these dreams of being Cinderella or Cindy Lou. (laughs) Makes for a good illustration. I'm glad you all came. It also makes for therapy for me. So on the 29th of this month, Edward and Jennifer will celebrate their first anniversary. By the way, Edward, I don't want her back. I love her. She's my first child. She's all have trouble now, buddy. Anyhow, I... what was I saying? I was saying, don't, don't let somebody steal your joy. My wife, uh, she loves Christmas. Valerie does. Oh, my wife is the. She could start decorating in July. But for the last three years, she wasn't able to do it as, as, uh, as uh, largely as. She... She has this year because for the last three years, due to her educational pursuit, she couldn't do what she's done this Christmas. Oh, Jesus. I uh, I told the Atlanta airport, please direct the air traffic because of the lights in our front yard to Hartsfield, Jackson, not our home. We got trees. We got stuffed animals. We got lights. We got in the bedroom, we got it. In the bathroom, we got it. In the living room, we got it. In the family room, you know what? I can be a grinch sometimes. Don't say amen. Just say, I, Everett, I hate pulling out that stuff and hanging this here and a stocking here and a bulb here and a outlet over here. And this part of the house blows up while the other part lit up. <laughs> 15 million lights, and you gotta find the one bulb that's out for the rest of them to light. I mean, you know I'm talking about, huh? huh? And if I want my wife to know that, for the security of a marriage, I'll tell her myself. You know what I've decided about Valerie? She loves her husband. She loves the Lord. She's never a financial burden to me. If she loves Christmas. And she wants to celebrate it and keep it for the glory of God. I'd, I'd rather have her do that than what some of my neighbors do about Halloween. Stand. Stand, would you understand? So, I, I, I probably prepared a better altar call than this, but that's what we got. Listen to me. Please, don't let Satan make you a Grinch. And don't you make somebody else's Christmas. Less than what it should be for Christ's sake. But listen, hear me. The Lord told me to tell you this morning, He's come to invade your territory, not to threaten you, not for you to run from Him, but for you to come to Him. I want to ask you this. I did in the other service. I'll ask you this now, and I'll ask you to don't let pride get in the way. If your joy level is low because of life and stuff, you can have it filled up today. You don't have to be a sinner to come to the altar or some wicked somebody. You just be human, you know? If if something has happened to you, something's going on in your body, your marriage, your finances, your children. Maybe if you're on medication, you'd rather not be, but you have this... If, if your son has done something, or your daughter, or, or the boss, so, and your joy level, you're thinking, I, I dread the next days. Don't dread it. Not when you're so close to joy. You don't have to go even two miles. You're right in it. You said, Pastor, I want God to renew my joy. I want to renew my life in Him.